I'm Damien Fowler. And I'm Elise Liffring. And welcome to this edition of The Current Podcast. The Current is your deep dive into the future of TV, media, and data-driven marketing, all explained in plain English. We talk to the biggest names in digital marketing. And in this episode, we talk to Angela Zapeda, Chief Marketing Officer at Hyundai Motor America. Angela shattered the glass ceiling when she became Hyundai's first female CMO, joining a few months before the pandemic hit. It's been a tough few years for the auto category with rising inflation and supply chain issues. Meanwhile, Hyundai is positioning itself at the forefront of the EV revolution as the car industry prepares itself for a future when the internal combustion engine is no more. But let's find out more about this automaker and whether or not we're even pronouncing it correctly. Angela, let's set the record straight. What's the correct pronunciation of the car maker you work for? Well, it's such a good question because technically we say it wrong here in the United States. I think our South Korean counterparts, they think they got tired of us just saying it incorrectly. So they always tell us, just say Hyundai like Sunday. So that's what we say. But I think technically the correct pronunciation is Hyundai. But I think however way you say it, if you remember it, I think we're happy about that. For the purposes of this podcast, maybe we'll just stick to Sunday. I mean, Hyundai, just to keep it clear. So, you know, we recently saw the latest earnings news, and I, I believe congratulations are in order. Hyundai set an all-time retail sales record in Q3. How are you doing this? How is Hyundai continuing to win in such a challenging marketplace? Well, it's a, it's a loaded question, and we, we feel lucky. Um, but there's a lot of things that, that take place behind the scenes. Um, you know, it's been challenging for all automakers. Um, there's a lot of things that happen and, you know, chip shortages and inventory, while those are not good things for consumers, right, if you want a car, for an automaker like Hyundai, I think we just uh, were able to do things um, really well with our logistics, being able to uh, get cars to our dealerships, and we had really great products. And so consumers were really wanting to lean in and find those products, and we were able to get them to our dealerships, and we were able to do that just a little bit better than our competitors. So that allowed us to actually gain some market share. And that's really good for a challenger brand. Yeah. And I mean, among all the supply chain issues, inflation, there's been also a huge shift towards electronic vehicles or EVs for short. Mm-hmm. And you have the new iconic six model recently touted as one of the most aerodynamic, energy efficient EVs in the industry. What is basically ushering in this change? for Hyundai and how are you going about it? Well, again, there's a lot of things that are at play. Uh, For the first time, you know, consumers are finally leaning in to electrification. And one of the things that's happening is, you know, the vehicles are really getting a lot better. When they first came out, you know, you might have to give up a lot when it came to saying yes to an electrified car. You know, it was smaller. It might be very decontented. People were very worried about how far it would go. The infrastructure was definitely a huge problem. And then this car company called Tesla came into into play and it really broke open what it meant to be uh, to have a car that was electrified. Um, And we have a lot of admiration for Tesla because Elon Musk did what nobody thought could happen, which was to have a high performance luxury vehicle 
that had range and fast charging and everything that no one thought could happen. And so where Hyundai's come into play is that we're bringing vehicles that are very close to what Tesla's offering, but for a far less price point. And I think that's where the market is going. And so along the way now, a couple other things are happening. Gas prices are going up and that's putting a big pinch in people's wallets. Infrastructure is getting better where people can have more choices how to charge. And you can also do it at your home. And now you could also have portable charging and all kinds of things are culminating. Not also to mention regulation that's coming from the government that's really pressing to bring more EVs to the market uh, by certain points in time in the next couple of years. So I think all of that is why we're seeing this big swell of EV choices from all OEMs, including Hyundai. So it's um, it's only going to become more and more and more prevalent as the years goes on. Oh, you mentioned some of these deadlines that governments are setting. Is Is the kind of concept and marketing of EVs ahead of where we are, ahead of where, you know, maybe the United States is or, or the EU is in terms of, you know, the infrastructure and whether we can actually deliver, you know, the end of the internal combustion engine by 2035 as the EU would want, want us to have it? I think that's a really good question. I think the infrastructure is, is a really important part to delivering on what the regulations want us to deliver. It is a very aggressive goal. Um, that's a lot of cars to deliver. And there's still a lot of hesitation from a lot of consumers. If you look at who's buying electric cars where, it really is the coasts, right? The West Coast and the East Coast. But the middle of the country hasn't adopted it quite yet. And that's going to be a huge part of the equation eventually. California is one of the most aggressive states, probably the most aggressive But even our grid has a lot of question marks. Um, You know, even over the summer where we had some of our hottest days where we tipped almost to like 110 degrees, we all got a text message from our governor saying, if you have an electric car, maybe don't plug it in between these hours, which was then, of course, giving some, you know, uh, giving our grid a little bit of relaxation because we were really pressing it a little much. And I thought even to myself, I wonder what this means for Uh, the future if we all have EVs that we need to charge. So I think it's a big question. I think there's a lot of people who are working on that solution because that will be part of what we need to do is if everybody has an electric car and we all need to plug them in every day. These are all the things that are, we're almost building the the plane as they so to speak as as we're also driving it or flying it. And I I think all these things will come together um, simultaneously. What's so fascinating about this to me is that it seems like a lot of the impetus uh, and energy is coming from the auto industry rather than government. It's like government is reacting to what you are doing to, to, the, to the car industry's um, impulse to change. Is that accurate, would you say? I don't know. I think it's kind of maybe coming from both angles. I mean, this is probably one of the most revolutionary times in the car industry. I don't know if we've seen this much innovation happening all together in a long, long time. I mean, you know, a car is a car is a car. I mean, to change from a combustible engine to something like an electrified platform is is pretty revolutionary. I think there's just a big concern overall about climate change and who's responsible for that. I, I think the auto industry has leaned in heavily to be a big solution to helping climate change. And, and by the way, just not the cars themselves when they drive day to day, but the manufacturing process behind the scenes I mean, all of us are are huge contributors to that. And so I think that's where a lot of that's coming from. But the innovation doesn't stop with electrification, or at least it doesn't for companies like Hyundai. I mean, we have other technologies as well. Hydrogen is one of them. 
you know, who knows what's next. But I, I think the innovation will escalate. Do you still have a ways to go, though, to convince consumers who are maybe sceptical about adopting an EV? Oh, what, sure. What's the sort of plan there? How, how, do you, how do you push that? You know, absolutely. I mean, there's lots of hesitation. And so that, this is one of the things we were talking about probably about two years ago, because Hyundai really had the, the largest number of all fuel vehicles than any other brand, but nobody knew it. And, you know, sort of our fault because we weren't advertising it. But it was because they weren't our largest volume vehicles. Our largest volume vehicles were really our ICE vehicles, our combustible vehicles. And that's where we were spending all of our money. You know, in certain regions where we had CAFE and ZEV requirements, those are our long-term emission requirements by state. That's where we were spending money to talk about those vehicles. And so, you know, it was kind of a secret that we had all of these different technologies. You know, we have plug-in hybrid, we have hybrid, we have hydrogen in our Nexo. We, we have a lot of uh, alternative vehicles, but we just didn't chat about them. And so we started to talk about that uh, at the beginning of uh, 2020, getting ready for our Ionic platform. And one of the things we leaned into really heavily was the plug-in hybrid, because we thought brands like Toyota really owned hybrid. How would I talk about hybrid when Toyota kind of owns hybrid with Prius? But plug-in is one of those kind of crossover technologies where you can have all the benefit of battery, but you don't have to go all the way. And actually, our plug-in hybrids and our SUVs have been an absolute winner. In fact, we can't make enough of them. And that's one thing that we're trying to talk to consumers about is like there's actually these hybrid other technologies that can ease people into these technologies that get them comfortable. And it's actually been a big success. So I think that's one way we're helping to educate people to what's available to them. You don't have to go all the way into electric. There's other things in between. And I think that's been an effective strategy and people seem to really like it. Yeah. And when it comes to that advertising strategy specifically, how does Hyundai... I guess, strike the delicate balance between perhaps like more emotional buying into a lifestyle type messaging versus obviously important like feature benefits. Yeah, it's been really interesting for us. We started a strategy about two years ago where we started to be much more specific about what we talked about at tier one or our national advertising and what we talked about at tier two, which is the advertising we do with our dealer associations. So we're doing a lot more emotional or branded advertising at tier one, where we have these emotional stories, which we talk about electric cars and what sort of means to your lifestyle. But then we also have an opportunity to talk about the features and benefits starting at tier two. But, you know, we also talk about it all the way into in-market video, display, social, and all kinds of places where we get to go deeper into that education. It's really the benefit, I think, of having the kind of budgets we do. But yeah, the, the electric cars really are a benefit that they do provide a halo for the brand. Speaking about different tiers and reaching audiences, uh, you recently shared during the Ad Week Brand Week Miami event that Hyundai will not be advertising in the Super Bowl for the third year in a row. Can you share a little bit more about your strategy there and just, I guess, why not? Yeah, it's um, it's been an interesting one. So, you know, historically, Hyundai has always been in the Super Bowl. For 10 plus years, we were in the Super Bowl. And I, I really was worried, to be honest, because I didn't want to be left out of that conversation because we were launching our Ionic 5. It was our first one on this new electrified platform. So the brief I gave our agency was, how to win the Super Bowl without being in the Super Bowl. 
And so they came back with a great strategy. And that was we bought uh, 60 second spots in the AFC and NFC championships game, which thankfully had just almost the same ratings as Super Bowl. And they did a Super Bowl worthy spot with Jason Bateman. Um, it was called History of Evolution, which is basically we've come a long way since the beginning of the first EVs to the Ionic Five. And it, it ran in the AFC and NFC championship games. And we did a pregame and it ran all around the Super Bowl, but technically not in the Super Bowl. But consumers thought it was a Super Bowl spot. And so we won things like YouTube's ad blitz and things like that. I mean, we did get a lot of buzz for it. And it was really a great strategy, almost too good, uh, because that's the strategy we've been told we're going to do again this year. I'll just be quite honest. I don't know. I, we, you know, I, I would say Super Bowl is always on the table for me. Great. Yeah. Um, are there any other channels you are experimenting with? Yeah, there's there's a couple during uh, COVID. Um, as people were driving more and taking road trips, we actually went pretty heavily in out of home, which we hadn't done in a while, which I'm kind of a fan of. I mean, it, it allows us to show beautiful shots of the car in Southern California. Um, so we've kept that going. That was one that we brought back. I personally like seeing it back. The other one that we actually we we took off our, took off our buy was cinema, of course, because no one was going to cinema. We're bringing that back uh, this year. Uh, hopefully people will start going back to the movies. But one that's really been ex- unexpected for us is we've done a big audio play. And I know that sounds strange for a car company because usually you'd want to show the car, right? But it's, you know, younger audiences aren't watching broadcast and video like maybe our older audiences were or are. But they are very interested in music and they're very interested in podcasts and they're very interested in influencers who they listen to. And so we've leaned into a couple of partners, Spotify, iHeart, and it's been really interesting. And it it isn't always just audio. Sometimes we're doing on-site activations like we just did a a big activation with iHeart Music Festival in Vegas. We had a big activation on-site So we'll continue to lean into that and continue to learn. And then that one's been one of the biggest surprises, I think, is how well audio has done for us with Hyundai. Speaking of audiences, Angela, do you have a sense of who's buying Hyundai? I mean, I do know that the key best-selling SUV is the Tucson, and, and that's central to the brand. Could you talk a little bit about audiences and that car and that SUV? Yes. So we we're actually a brand that's evolving. So Back in the day, when we first came to this country 36 years ago, we had a bunch of people who were buying that car. You remember that car? Some people do. Um, And so we were very sedan heavy. So that was our Elantra, our Accent, our Sonata. And, you know, those cars are very good at bringing back those same buyers. But that buyer today is like my age. I hate to say it, a little more middle-aged. And that's fine. And we love those customers and we want them to continue to buy those cars. But they're a little safer, right? They're a little safer customer. Who we're really attracting, though, today for our new vehicles is a younger audience. And what's interesting to us with this younger audience, this newer audience, is A, they don't know the Hyundai of the past, which is great. Two, they're a little more technologically savvy. And three, they're really leaning into innovation, And they are really loving electrification and um, it's been great for us. So we're finding that millennials love the Tucson. Young families love Tucson. They also love Santa Fe and Palisade. And we've also expanded very heavily into multicultural, 
We've also done a lot better, I think, bringing a lot more females into our brand, uh, which we didn't do a very good job of doing that in the past. So I think that's just the new way forward for Hyundai. Younger audiences, a lot more technologically savvy. And this is really where we're seeing the brand moving, uh, moving forward. It also feels like Hyundai is everywhere lately as far as partnerships go. You're partnering with Disney for their 100th anniversary celebration and Korean pop sensation BTS on sustainability, Jason Bateman again. Um, Tell us a little bit more about, I guess, this brand philosophy and how you choose your moments where you really show up and who to partner with. I think the strategy before I became CMO was, you know, showing up with pop culture moments. But I think we've really changed that a little bit. We've changed the philosophy or the strategy to be more about fewer, bigger, better. And we've really stuck to that with a couple of key partners that I think really align to our values as a brand. Disney is one of those. Um, We love Disney as a family brand. Um, We love what they bring to us as a partner because they don't take what's off the shelf and say, hey, Hyundai, do you like this package? No. I don't want to buy what they would bring anybody else. We give them a brief um, as we would do other partners, but they've just done a better job at coming back and saying, here, this is what we would creatively might do with you. What do you think? And we started collaborating and we first did a partnership with them when we launched our Tucson about two years ago with the question everything campaign. And they really leaned into that idea and they said, hey, what if we actually took our Disney IP like Marvel and we put Loki in a Tucson with this idea of questioning everything. And they've never done that before. They've never broken that fourth wall and put a Marvel character in a Hyundai or any kind of vehicle. And I didn't even know Loki could drive necessarily. I mean, fans went nuts. And so we love that. And so Disney's one of our partners that we would always continue to work with. And so that's how we ended up doing the D100 with them and being their auto exclusive partner. You've clearly got a very strong vision for where the brand is going. I'm just wanted to ask you a little bit about your own background, you know, which is largely rooted in advertising agencies, you know, um, and I know that you work directly on the Hyundai business at InOcean. How, how did these experiences shape your approach now as Hyundai's CMO? Yeah, it's, uh, I do have an interesting background. I, I did have an all advertising career, a long one. And I had, I'd been running agencies always on the West Coast and had started in the auto side for a long time. And then, you know, eventually started pitching lots of businesses in the advertising space and ended up working on a variety of different businesses. At one point, I, you know, probably worked on every single major industrial sector out there, financial, uh, telecom Uh, CPG, so on and so forth. And that wide breadth of experience was really terrific for me. At one point, I went back to school to get my MBA. They thought I was a little crazy for doing that because I was an agency person. But I think that discipline of getting that MBA was really important because all of my clients all had graduate degrees. And I had realized that what was happening was we were just coming up with creative ideas, but they weren't really solving business problems. And that was one of the biggest, I think, aha moments for me in my own career was that this was a big hallmark for agencies to change their mindset, that we just couldn't come up with great creative ideas. They really had to start solving business problems. And then shortly after that, I ended up working again for a boss of mine who I loved, and he had gone to an ocean. He had brought me there to help them actually build the non-automotive side of an ocean, 
which basically was built for Hyundai. The person who was running the Hyundai account who'd been there for a long time took another opportunity and I was asked to start to run the Hyundai account, which I said I'd do gladly. And within about a year and a half after that, our CMO client, had he had taken another opportunity, which I thought he was crazy because I thought the Hyundai account was on the cusp of greatness because um, we were just about ready to get the Palisade which I knew was then the beginning of Hyundai really taking off as a brand. And I was asked by our CEO, Jose Munoz, if I wanted to come over and be the CMO of Hyundai, which I actually was very surprised. I actually almost fell out of my chair that day. And the reason was was because I thought I might be the COO at a notion or some senior C-suite title, but there were no women in the C-suite for a South Korean company. But then uh, Jose said to me, you know, Angela, that's true, but today's the day that we're going to break that. And so I was the first woman to the C-suite, but I'm no longer the only woman. There's now um, others, which is really great. First of all, congratulations for bringing that glass ceiling there. Thank you. And and also you took on the CMO role six months before the global pandemic shut everything down. Yes. (laughs) A great timing, right? Uh, But what, what has been like your biggest learning during that time? And I guess, how has your brand strategy maybe shifted as a result? Oh, well, let's start with the strategy. The strategy changed pretty dramatically. Um, We did this in concert with Jose, our CEO, because he was new and he had big ambitions for Hyundai. I mean, the thing he said to us at the very beginning was, I think what we lack as a company is confidence. And I always love that, that he said that. He's like, we have all the potential, but I think we lack confidence. And so... As an executive team, we just started working together of what we needed to do to really take our company to the next level. And then, you know, it was about product. We didn't have the right product in the pipeline. Like I said, we stayed too long in the sedan business. It's true. We did finally get the product line up right in that fall of 2019. And so what was happening previously was that we were kind of just trying to get people to come in for a test drive giving them gift cards or whatever kind of low funnel tactic we could think of to just get them into a dealership, to kind of get them into a test drive and hopefully sell them a vehicle, maybe on a deal. But that was the Hyundai of the past. So the way forward was really about building the brand, focusing on what we call a core model strategy, focusing on those vehicles that are our volume and profit leaders for the company and really setting then the strategy of what was the role of our tier one national advertising, which is building the brand, right? More emotional storytelling, advertising, and letting our other channels do the hard work of telling more of the features and the benefits. And then I think part of the pandemic, you know, every day something was happening. I mean, every day we woke up and it was like, it was like, are you kidding me? Now this is happening. But I think the thing we did was, you know, don't let a macro trend or a macro situation steer you away from the longer strategy because you could get very distracted by that. You really had to think about the long-term goal. Yeah, we made decisions, you know, to sort of react to the market. We did. We did change our advertising. We did do things to react to COVID, but there was always the long-term goal. We have two phrases in Korean Pali Pali and Miri Miri. And that one is the long-term strategy and then the short-term day-to-day things that we change. 
And we use those interchangeably a lot. And I think that's one of the things that kept our success was that we always had our eye on the long-term strategy and we didn't get too, too distracted about some of these macro trends that were constantly happening. And I think that's been kind of our winning success. You really have to keep your eye on, on what you're really trying to achieve. And for us, is to get to a million cars sold in the U.S., but it's a big lofty goal. And we hope to do it next year, which is two years ahead of our original goal. So, you know, that's that's the kind of company we are now under Jose's leadership. He is amazing. And so those are the things we're focused on. And that's it for The Current. Stay tuned because next week we'll have Erin North, Chief Marketing Officer at Mint Mobile, who joins us to talk about the Ryan Reynolds-owned direct-to-consumer carrier brand. If you can create an ecosystem where it's safe to fail and people aren't worried, whoo, the creativity just it oozes, right? And that's sort of like one of our secret, secret sauces. The Current is produced by Wonder Media Network. Our theme is by Love and Caliber. The Trade Desk team includes Cassie Crosby, Yvonne Sikich, and Kat Fessy. And remember... I mean, this is probably one of the most revolutionary times in the car industry. I don't know if we've seen this much innovation happening in a long, long time. I'm Elise. And I'm Damien. And we'll see you next time.